Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. We're kicking off a brand new series today called This Means War, and uh, this story doesn't have a ton to do with the title of the series, but it will have connected the message. But how many of you remember a guy still around uh, by the name of Pee Wee Herman? Anybody remember Pee Wee Herman? Okay, so you're with me here. Uh, he had like a weekly, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Clubhouse show kind of thing. But then he was also in this movie called Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, based around like this idea. He had this amazing, cool red bike that had all these tricks and gadgets on it. And then I remember as a kid, I watched this movie and I was kind of enamored by it because yeah, like Pee Wee had all these cool gadgets, you know, like he'd wake up and like his breakfast would like start making itself and like he had all these cool little deals in his house and, and I just loved the, the movie and how, you know, goofy he was and there's a part in the movie though where Pee Wee's, you know, on his adventure and he hops in the, the truck, he's hitchhiking and he hops in with this lady and they're driving to their destination, he finally gets to where he needs to be and he's hopping out of the truck and if you remember this, you know, it, this lady, she goes, he's like, thanks for the ride. And she goes, hey, no problem. Just tell him that large Marge sent you, right? And her eyes pop out of her head and it's real crazy scary, right? Some of you have not seen the movie. You're like, what, what are you talking about? Well, it's just a scary moment, right? So as a kid, I loved all parts of that movie except that part. So what I would do, right, when I, the scary situation was coming, I would hide under, you know, the covers or a pillow, or if I didn't have any of those, I would simply close my eyes and plug my ears, and I thought, right, if I can't see it, if I can't hear it, then it can't harm me, right? And we do that in life, and and, and this is actually a scientific thing with, with kids. It's called object permanence, and it's the understanding that objects continue to exist even when they cannot be observed, which is seen, heard, touched, smelled, or sensed in any way. And children, as they gradually grow up and as they mature, they begin to grow out of that and they begin to understand just because I can't see something doesn't mean that something doesn't exist. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, teaches us that there's a lot that goes on around us that we can't see that there's an unseen world. He says this in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. He says, this is the final word that I'm giving you. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So we know here that there's, a, there's the devil is very strategic in how he attacks and his mode of, of trying to come against us. Verse 12, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, things that we can see, things that we can touch and feel, he says, but rather we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. And today I want to tell you this, that just because you can't see the devil, just because you can't see this unseen world that is in opposition against Anyone who is a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And Paul says what we have to realize 
And what we're going to hopefully uh, equip you with over the course of this series is that you need to realize, one, that you're under attack, that there is something that's opposing you, that there's something that's opposing God's work in your life, that's opposing your marriage, that's opposing your family, your career, your finances, that there is great opposition that we face, that the devil has waged war against you and against your soul, and that we must be ready for the battle that we are in, whether you just want to pretend you're in it or not. We like to just pretend. We like to just pull the covers up and hide away and go, this doesn't exist. I don't have to worry about this. Life's just going to be easy breezy. I'm never going to face any opposition. This is just the way. We'd like to pretend that. But the devil has waged war, that you are in a battle. And the beauty is of the power that we have. Now, look, the opposition is strong. But the Bible says it's greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. That although we face strong opposition, that we have all the tools, we have all that we need to live in victory. So we don't have to hide under the covers. That we can look the devil in the face, and although he may seem big, he may seem like this rhino that we're staring down, that you don't have to hide and cower away from him. That you can look the devil right back in his face and go, yeah, you may have declared war on me, but I declare war on you too. Because I have all that I need to win this battle. So God has prepared you for battle. He's gotten you ready. He's given us everything that we need. But we must activate the defense system that God has given us. And over the course of this series, that's what we're going to be looking at. What has God given us to defend ourselves? What has he given us to to fight back? It's available for us. But as Paul says, and we'll read again, that you have to put it on, right? Hopefully, uh, you know, again, Pee Wee was cool because he had lots of stuff that did things for him. But all of you, you know, you, every day you got to get up and put on whatever clothes you're going to wear. You don't walk out of the house without putting on clothes to go to the office or go to work or whatever task that you have to do. And it's the same thing in our spiritual lives that we have to daily put on the armor that God has given us so that we can be victorious in what he's called us to live. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, Paul goes on. So again, he says, therefore, put on every piece of armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. I want to pause right there. He says, time of evil. What does that mean necessarily? Are we in a time of evil? Are are you consistently uh, facing opposition? I would say no. I think, yes, there's always someone out against you, but there's going to be days where your time to deal with evil comes to you, where the enemy attacks you. You will come under attack that you will face trials that you will face difficult times where you know man i'm facing something here and i can't see it but i can sense it and i know something's going on there's the devil's coming at me in in different ways he's trying to attack me to deter me from the path that god has that the time of evil will come but but he says if you put on the armor when the time of evil comes after the battle you will still be standing firm that you will win Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He says, put on the armor before the battle comes to you before your time of evil comes. Listen, 
if you don't understand what God has given you to defend yourself. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how we can get offensive against Him. We don't have to wait for Him to attack all the time, that we can get offensive in our attack on Him. But if you don't understand what you're to put on, that if you're not prepared for battle, if you go into battle unprepared, you'll be beat in any area of life. If you're not prepared, you'll be beat. So we have to be ready before the time of evil comes. Not when it comes. We get equipped beforehand. So we, when it comes, we'll be prepared. And so today we're going to be looking at the first piece of armor that Paul talks about. And then the next few weeks of the series, we'll be diving into each one of these. But the first is the belt of truth. And in this passage, Paul is referring to the whole armor that would, uh, and invokes this image of like a Roman soldier. This was, this was gear that a Roman soldier would wear for battle. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to find on Amazon a actual Roman soldier's belt, but I did find this belt. Okay. And so, and this is kind of more of a playful series in our approach to it. And so I thought, you know what? This could represent the belt of truth. And I didn't read the description. By the way, uh, if you don't have an Amazon Prime membership, and I do not get paid to endorse them in any way, get one. It will change your life. Secondly, this week, they just introduced to the Columbus area a thing called Prime Now. And if you have a Prime membership, which is somewhere around like 100 bucks a year, I think, you get free shipping, two-day shipping all the time on stuff. Now, you can order groceries... And they will deliver them to your house for free within two hours of you making an order. Can I get an amen from any moms out there, right? My wife was like, what? Oh, okay. I don't have to leave the house with two kids. Like, It takes two hours just to get prepared to go to the store. Not much being there and get home. And so now you can just get a Prime membership. You can order groceries. They'll deliver them to your house. It will change your life. I could end the message right here. We could all go home and you had some life-changing, transformational truth given to you this morning. But when I bought, prime member, there we go. Uh, when I bought the belt, uh, I did not read the description close enough, so it does not fit me. Um, but you know, you don't wear your belt like that anyway. If you're cool, you wear your belt like this. You're champion. So Paul gives this image of a belt, and he compares, he says it's the belt of truth. And again, the belt was very important because it wasn't just a leather strap like we would have today. It was, it was very thick. It was heavy. It had a metal band on it. It had protective pieces that would hang down to, to protect the soldier's lower half of his body, his legs. And the belt then held the, the sword. So if you didn't have a belt, you didn't have a sword. So imagine a sword, uh, an overzealous soldier running into battle without a belt. You know, one, his like clothes would be falling off, right? He'd be pulling up his pants. Two, he would not have a weapon. He would be going into battle unprepared. So Paul starts with the idea in the first piece that you have to put on. He says, you got to put on, first things first, you got to put on the truth. You need to know the truth. And you have to guard yourself. Another version says to guard your loins, like the thing you're, you're, you're to guard yourself with the truth. So before we can put on the belt of truth, I think we first have to ask, the question of what it is. What is truth? What does it mean? I think we need to know what it is before we can put it on. In John 18, 37 through 38, Jesus was facing Pilate, the Roman official, and he was being sentenced to death, essentially. The Pharisees were trying to have him murdered. He's approaching his, his death and his crucifixion. 
And so Pilate says, you're, you are a king then. Because they said he, he's proclaiming, he's a self-proclaimed king. He says, you're a king. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. For I came into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone on this side of truth, everyone on the side of truth, listens to me. And then Pilate says this, he says, well, what is truth? What does that mean? And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves today, and it's a very important question that you have to answer. Because what you believe will determine how you behave. What you believe to be truth in your life will determine how you view God. It will determine how you act in your relationships, how you approach the issues that we face in this world and in our culture. It will change the way that you approach things, how you deal with your children. Truth is very important, that we must believe in the right things if we're going to get the right results that we want. And so Paul says, start with this first. Put on the truth. You need to understand what the truth is. And it's so important because in the war that we're in, we have to understand first who we're fighting against. In the enemy, the devil, we're going to get into a little bit more of his strategies, but we need to understand who and what we're fighting against. And the battlefield that we fight with Satan is right here. It's in between our ears. It's in our mind. The battlefield is in our mind. It's to try to get us to move from truth. To buy into his lies. Satan fires bullets of lies into our minds to try to get us to believe something that's not true. To believe that the world will offer you a better path than Jesus. That there's other ways to experience life and life to the full. That there's different things that we could do. That that he gets us away from the truth. He tries to deceive us. Paul described him as, as arrows. Fiery arrows that would attack your mind. In John 8, 44, it says this, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. This is Jesus talking. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So Jesus is saying Satan is a murderer. His main goal is to destroy the human race, to destroy you, to destroy the work of God in your life. That is his main goal. He is a murderer. He wants to destroy you. Aren't you happy today? You came to church to be encouraged, right? But you got to realize you're under attack. But the way that he attacks you isn't with flesh and blood. He isn't going to show up with a pitchfork on your front porch as you leave and kind of wave at you and go, I'm going to get, you know. He says that it's, it's unseen. It's an unseen world. And the battlefield is in your mind. And Satan is a murderer. He's trying to attack you in his main mode. To accomplish his purpose is deception. Is deception. He distorts the truth. He twists the truth. And it's not like he just comes at you with like, you know, like something that you know for sure is not true. You know, he doesn't try to convince you of something that you might not buy. No, no, he, he distorts it a little bit. He twists it a little bit where you begin to, to question. You go, well, well, it looks kind of true. It, it, it feels true. It even kind of sounds true, so he tries to get you. Yeah, see, you can get into that. And he slowly and gradually tries to get you off the path of truth and detour you to get you to go down a path that moves you further and further away from the truth. 
few days ago, I was flipping through the TV, and I think it, don't know why I was not watching something on DVR, it's typically all I do, but I was for whatever reason, and one of my favorite movies happened to be on, and, and it happened to be right at my favorite scene, and it was one on the, one of those like local stations that's not even in HD, you know, and so you barely even give your attention to those, right, because it's like you have your TV, and then it's like a box inside of your TV, and you're like, this station needs to just get with it, right, I'm not going to watch this, but it was A Few Good Men, and I love that movie, and if you've never seen that movie, uh, it's an old movie with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, and Tom Cruise is a defense attorney for, in the Navy, and he's defending some soldiers who uh, followed orders to attack another soldier, which ended up leading to his death. And so they're trying to get to the bottom of what happened. And what the reality was is the top general, Jack Nicholson, he is the one who ordered that these men do what they do. And in that culture, in that environment, you don't ever disobey an order. And so they gave the order for them to do the code red is what they said. And so at the end, the climax of the movie, he's trying, like they can't prove it though. And he's trying to get Jack Nicholson, this strong, you know, veteran of of the military to crack on the truth. And he says, what do you want? And Tom Cruise goes, I want the truth. And he goes, you can't handle the truth, right? You guys seen that movie, right? You can't handle the truth. And for the devil, as much as I've described the power that he has, here's the one thing and why Paul says the truth is so important. The devil can't handle the truth. The truth is, is that greater are you and the one in you than he who is opposing you in the world. And the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, that the enemy, the one who is opposing you has to flee, that he has to get away from you. So Paul's saying the very first thing that you got to do is understand your opposition. You got to know who's coming against you and the battlefield's here. It's in the mind. And Paul says, you have to get the truth in you. You have to guard your life. All the other armor hangs on the truth. you got to know the truth. Pilate says, what is truth? The devil can't handle the truth. So we have to know it. Romans 1, 18, and then verse 22 and 25. Paul was addressing the Roman culture. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. This is the key verse here. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They bought the lie. They bought the lie of the enemy. And that lie can be different stuff. And over the course of the series, we're going to look into it. The lie that that you can do better on your own. That you know better for yourself. That money and houses and material things will actually fulfill you. That there is someone better than the spouse that you currently have. And you made the wrong decision. The lie, the deception, distorts the truth, tries to get you to believe something. And what people are doing in this culture, in this day and age, and and if you know, if you, you watch the news at all, people are exchanging the truth of God for a lie of the enemy. And they've bought into the lie because they don't know the truth. And that lie will destroy them. But the truth, the truth is what sets us free. So we got to know the truth. Satan's, two of Satan's greatest weapons to attack you, to get us to move away from the truth. And in our culture today, the first one is relativism. That it's all relative. That truth is relative. It's the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. It's relative. 
It's evolving. It's not constant. What used to be true may not be true now. So it's this evolving thing. You hear people say like this, well, hey, yeah, that's kind of old school though, right? You got to get with the times. You got to get yourself, usher yourself into the 21st century here there, pastor. That's old school thinking. The world's changing. We have to adapt to the world. It's relative. It's relativism. Satan says, hey, it's all relative. There's no absolute truth, which leads to this. The second thing is subjectivism. Subjectivism. Start saying that one, right? It's a tough one. And this means this. I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting my judgment to any authority outside of myself. I get to decide what is true. I get to determine what is right and wrong for me, right? And if, 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 if I feel like this is the truth, that there is no absolute truth, so you can't project what you think is true on me. Hey, that's true for you. That's all good. But it's not true for me. I don't feel like this is the truth. And if it doesn't hurt anybody, and as long as it makes me happy, hey, nothing wrong with that. There is no absolute truth. There is no authority outside of myself. And this is a terrible way to approach truth because if we based our lives because belief determines how you behave, right? So if we behave on what we feel, how many of you know we'd be pretty messed up? Because my feelings are not always very accurate to what is real. What is reality? My feelings and realities don't always align. So if I base truth on what I think is real to me and what I feel is real in the moment, man, I'm not going to get anywhere good. So you have this idea that it's relative, subjective to me. And the world has lived this way a long time. That's why Paul in Romans 12, 2, he said this. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by renewing of your mind. I'm going to put all this together for you, right? Where does the enemy attack you? Here. What's his mode of attack? Deception. And so if he can get you to conform to the patterns of this world, hey, it's relative. It's subjective. There is no truth. He can destroy you. So Paul says you cannot conform to what's happening in the world around you, to what's happening in culture around you. You have to rise above that. You have to be transformed by renewing your mind. And how do we renew our minds? With the Word of God. The truth of what is real. The world we live in teaches the truth is what we make it. The good and bad are all relative. There's no absolutes, only equally valid opinions. But the Bible teaches... That the truth is God's word. That good, bad, right, and wrong are defined by him. And that there are eternal and unchangeable absolutes that are uninfluenced by opinions and culture. Paul says to the Romans, you cannot conform to the world. Rather, you have to be transformed. Conforming is easy. He's saying you can't buy into a system that is a lie. You have to be transformed with the truth. Conforming is easy, right? You adapt to what's around you. Have you ever been around people like 
They go into environments. I used to, like I, like, I went to school in Texas, and I did some stuff. Like, I would, like, go to a place, and I would immediately, like, pick up their southern accent. i start talking like them, right, without knowing it. And people would be like, dude, you sound like you're from, like, deep south Alabama or something. I'd be like, really? Like, I didn't even know what was happening because I was conforming to my environment. And we can easily find ourselves adapting and conforming to what's going on in the world around us. Buying into the lie that's not truth. So what is truth? Truth is an objective standard, a standard outside of you, by which you measure the reality of something. It's an objective standard. So truth, this morning I want to tell you, is not only a what, but it's a who. Truth is a who and a what. God's word and then Jesus, the one who embodied God's word. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one can have relationship with God. No one can have the promise of eternity in heaven except through me. I am the truth. Jesus was God in the flesh and a representation of the truth, the only truth of who God was. See, this should be easy for us to adapt to here in Columbus, Ohio, because we live in the favor of God in a beautiful place that has the best university in the world, right? That's what we believe. When, when you talk about the Ohio State University, the emphasis is on the thief. Thank you. There you go. You know it. I used to live in different parts of the country. I pastored a church in Norman, Oklahoma, just a few blocks from Soonerville, right? And they would always, that was like their point of like making, oh, they're like, oh, like, what are you, a Buckeye fan? I'm like, yeah, they're like, oh, the Ohio State. I'm like, exactly. You got it, man. See, it's even down here. You guys understand that there is no other university that is better than this one. It is the Ohio State University. You watch Sunday night football and they introduce the players and they all get to say, you know, their name and where they're from. And every one of them, I love that part where they go, the, they pause, right? The Ohio State University, right? It's the Ohio State University. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm the, there is no other comparison. I am the way, the truth in the life. John 17, 17. Jess was preaching from this passage last week. Jesus is praying for his disciples before he leaves this world. And he says, sanctify them, consecrate them, make them one by the truth. And then he says, God, your word is truth. Your word is truth. What's in this book is truth. John 1, 1 through 4. It says, the beginning was the word. Look at your neighbor and say word. No, not just like that, like word. You know what I'm saying? Like word up. Last week was Mother's Day, vanilla ice, right? Word to your, word to your mother, right? Word up. The word. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light 
of all mankind. So truth is not predicated by what you feel, not by what you think. It's not what you determine to be true or not. It's a fixed standard outside of you. And according to God's word, it says the truth is what we then must conform to, that God was the truth. He was the way. He is the only way to have life. And truth in, truth is reality in its original form. So to discover truth, you have to look for origin. And since God is the originator of all things, he is then the fixed standard of our truth and must be our point of reference for truth. As Christ followers, as people who believe in the word of God, this is what you put your belief into. Not part of God's word, all of it. This is truth. See, the word, oh, part of it's true, but that part's not so true anymore. We got to get with the times. No, no, no. This is the standard of truth. No one changes God's word, not the belt. I'm sorry, it's, I needed the Bible up here, but, but his word, the belt of truth, the truth is what we have to strap around ourselves and determine the path we take in life. You know, pilots are always taught to read the instruments of the plane and never go by how they feel. Because up in the sky, you can get disoriented by your environment, especially when it's dark or you cannot see horizon line. If you guys remember JFK, John, John F. Kennedy Jr., right? He died in a plane crash. He was a pilot. He was flying a plane at night. It was dark and he was over water. So no lights, no nothing to guide him. And they say what happened was is he began to get disoriented. And when they, when they discovered and, and investigated it, they thought at some points that he was actually flying upside down thinking he was right side up. That's how disoriented he became because he began to rely on his, his feelings instead of the instruments of what the objective standards were outside of him that were telling him that he was going in the right direction. You see, when you, when you begin to rely on your feelings and those feelings of, of the culture that we live in, that if we rely on those, there's people that get disoriented. As Paul said, they exchange the truth for lies because they're not fixing their standard on the truth, the word of God. They're, they're basing it on how they feel and what's going on around them. It's subjective. It's relative. And the Satan's mode of attack is deception to pull you away from the truth. And a pilot has to rely on their instruments. What they know is a fixed standard that's not subjective to how they feel by what is actually true and what's going on around them. That there's a control tower of truth that leads them in the right direction. In John 1, 14, so we said the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. The Word has always been. And then in John 1, verse 14, it says, Then the Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And it says what? Full of grace and truth. So the Word was God. The Word has always been. It is the truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your Word. Your Word is truth. And then Jesus 
became the Word, the truth of God, became a living thing, became flesh, and made His dwelling among us. And so Jesus embodied the truth. He was the truth. He was the way. He was the life. And so we don't even just look to what Jesus said as truth. We can look to the way that He lived as truth. And He said He was full of grace and full of truth. And I understand how narrow that view can be in the culture we live in now. That's the only truth. That's the only way? That's the only way to have life? Yes. And a lot of people reject that truth, but they don't reject it because of Jesus. They don't reject it because of the way Jesus lived. Because if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different people write the story of Jesus from beginning to end. And in that story, you see a man who's full of love, who's full of compassion, who touches lepers, who welcomes prostitutes, who rejects the religious and the judgmental, welcomes sinners. They said, look at that guy. Claims to be a prophet. Claims to be the son of God. And here he is hanging out with sinners. They killed him because of how much grace he had. And so people don't reject Christianity. They don't reject the truth because of what Jesus did. Most people reject how Christians have represented the truth. How Christians have represented Jesus. And unfortunately, we are often embarrassingly hypocritical and judgmental people. Someone sent me a link to look at this video. and I was checking it on my phone. I got about 10 seconds into it and I turned it off. A lady with all the bathroom business happening right now. She was walking through Target with the truth, the Word of God, and proclaiming judgment on everyone. Right? That's what people reject. Jesus never did that. Ever. He never did that. So people reject how we represent that. And I got about 10 seconds into it and said, I can't watch it. Because here, why we planted this church, what we stand for at Adventure Church, is both of those things. He was full of grace but and truth. But what, what came first? Grace came first, right? He didn't say he was full of truth and grace. He said he was full of grace and truth. Jesus' model was, I don't care what you got. I don't, I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what identity issues you have. I don't care what issues you have, what sin bad. I don't care what any of it is. You come to me. Come to me. The invitation was to come. Jesus said, you can come to me. I invite you with all of that junk to come to me. So it was grace. And what enabled people to receive truth was the grace. So we have to balance those things out because truth without grace is legalism. It's just legalism. That's rules. It's regulations. Nobody wants that. Flip side, though, grace without truth is relativism. Well, whatever, man. Do whatever you want. God will love you anyway. Well, yes. <laughs> but Jesus says, but the prostitute, the woman caught in the act of adultery, come to me. No one condemns you. 
I don't condemn you, but stop what you're doing. There's a better way for you. There's a better way. There's a way of truth. There's a way of life. You've been deceived. You've bought a lie, and it will destroy you. Come to me. Come to me. Let's embrace truth together, right? That's what Jesus does for us. And whenever you experience Jesus and His grace and His truth, it's life-changing. It is life-changing. It is transformational. But grace has to come first. So today, maybe you're here and you're skeptic. Maybe you're new in your walk with God. Maybe it's just all this is, man, it's hard for me to understand this. It's hard to me to just narrowly accept this one way of truth. I, I would just tell you, if you are a skeptic, open up your Bible. Read about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I would start in John. It's my favorite of the gospel. Look, look at Jesus' life. Look at how he lived. Look at what he said. And maybe you may just come to the conclusion like I did. He's truth. He's truth. He's worthy of my life. He's worthy of my faith and my belief in that truth. If you seek Him, you will find Him. When you find Him, you will find truth. And truth is what will set you free. To be all that God created you to be. So the band comes and we close out. So truth is a who and a what. It's God's Word, and then it's Jesus who embodied God's Word. The Word became flesh and lived among us. It wasn't just what Jesus said. It was the way He lived, the example He gave that we can say, that is true. I buy into that. And then we have to realize that the truth, Jesus, is what sets us free. It is what truly will set you free. John 8, 32, it said, then you will know the truth. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you find me, you find truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the truth of God's Word and how the truth can set you free to live in victory over the attacks and the opposition that you face, to release the power of God's Word in your life. I know today was much more informational than inspirational for you. And it is for me, believe me, I like to preach the inspiration stuff more than the information stuff. But today I was trying to build a foundation for the rest of the series. And the first things first, Paul said, you got to get the belt of truth on. you got to know what's true. And then every other piece of the armor that he talks about, we have to understand what that truth is to us. It's the Word of God, how that is true for us. And I believe that if we can release the power of God's Word, the truth, in your life, then it'll set you free. You're going to discover over the next few weeks how you were declared righteous in Christ. It's amazing that when you come into Christ, you come into His righteousness. Although we are sinners, God doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. That He views you through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His righteousness became our righteousness. You are right with God because of Jesus. Where's the enemy attack? Right here, right? What does he tell you? You're not good enough. You aren't righteous. You'll never amount to anything. You can't fulfill God's purpose. You need to understand that you are righteous in God. You can understand how he gives you the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because when your time of evil comes, you're going to need peace. On Monday, I was in a hospice room. The young couple in our church, she's 33 years old. She's been fighting cancer for five years. By the way it looks, that, that fight's coming to an end. 
And I got the call Sunday night. Kyle, can you come? It's days, hours. We're not sure. We just, can you pray with us? Can you, can you, absolutely. I, I go, I'm in the room with her entire family, praying over her, knowing that she's fought the fight. She's finished the race that God has called before her. And I'm telling you, when you're in those moments, you face that kind of opposition, that kind of trial, you don't have peace, man, you're going to be susceptible to the attack. You need his peace. The word of God, and the armor, the shield of faith, that you can have faith that will see you through anything that you face in life. The faith that can move mountains. That we can have salvation, the helmet of salvation, that we're saved from our sin. That the promise of eternity is for everyone who believes in the truth. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We're going to unleash the power of God's Word in your life. Where you don't always have to be on the defensive. That you can get on the offensive. That you can pull out the sword of the Spirit. And you can fight off the attacks of the evil one in your life. The Word of God is transformational. It is powerful. And Jesus said... You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And then verse 36, and he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You'll be free. Free to live in victory. Free to be all who God created you to be. Understanding whose you are, who you are in Him, the plan and the purpose that He has for your life. Because whoever Jesus sets free will be free. That's our goal with this series, is that you will find freedom in the truth, in the transformational power of God's Word. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life.